You know, Wednesday night we were looking at the fifth chapter of Thessalonians and I thought so much about that before Wednesday night and then I, I thought about it after Wednesday night and then on Thursday I was talking to a brother and that, kind, that subject came up and we, we were talking about one, one word came up and, and that thing made an impression on me. It was like Braille. It was imprinted and the Spirit of God would not release me from it. And that was the word sober. And we talked about it for just a moment and I could not, I could not get it off of my mind. I could not. I, I thought that there was about three other ways I was going to be coming to you this morning, and, and God would not leave me alone. He said, um, I'm still not quite through with where we were Wednesday night. And then the Lord laid a coffee cup on my, my mind. And so, now this is, this is true. You can believe it if you want to, or, or you don't have to, but I... Um, went to the kitchen back here, and, and I, I grabbed a coffee cup, and we have some, you know, disposable cups we use for coffee connection with a jacket on it, and I thought I was digging in a box to get one of those cups, and when I got it out, it was, we, we have a few that were left over from when we had our Christmas play outdoors a couple of years ago, and we, we gave out uh, hot chocolate, and it had some sponsor's name on the back, but but man, to show you how God is just, he, he's awesome. I, I mean, I don't even know a, a better word. If I had a better word more than awesome, I'd give it to you. But I, I got that, that coffee cup, and I brought it in here and set it in the pulpit because I didn't want to forget about it. Because when I think about being sober, you know, a lot of people have uh, either drank coffee or been told, to drink coffee, and it helps to kind of clear the cobwebs out of their head from uh, being intoxicated. And, and I had this coffee cup to just kind of refer back to and, and bring this up. But when I got to looking and thinking about the coffee cup and I wasn't even here, I said, you know what? The, the, the name, the logo on the other side of the coffee cup was... The, the title of the Christmas program, which is While You Were Sleeping. And I, I'm telling you, I just, I just had me a glory spell. I, I did because, folks, I'm not that smart. I, I can't put stuff like that together. There are some things that I can do, but I can't do that. I, I can't take something and say, oh, yeah, we got those cups left. I, I, I don't have that ability. I can't do that. And so... I started thinking about that, and then God took me back to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 again. And, and so this is not going to be like major fireworks going off, but I, I'm just going to go to that scripture that's in the sixth verse. And it just simply reads, Therefore, let us not sleep. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 6. Therefore, let us not sleep, as others do, but let us watch 
Listen to this. And be sober. So before I read anything else, again, I want to remind you that the name of the Christmas play that was on the cup that year was While You Were Sleeping. And any of you that are familiar with the song that we use, it's taken from a Christmas song by the group Casting Crowns. And what, what is so ironic about that is that it talks about what happened while uh, Jesus was about to be born in, uh, in Bethlehem. And then it talks about the United States of America. What will be going on? Will people be sleeping when the Lord comes back to call His bride home the next time? And God just said, listen to what I'm telling you. And I read it again. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, verse 7 says, they sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, the Bible says, let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet of salvation, or a helmet, the hope of salvation. And you remember Wednesday night, I talked about how the breastplate covers us. It's mentioned in, or it's referred to in the whole armor of God. And again, I want to talk a lot about that equipment that needs to be on people that are not intoxicated and people that are not asleep, but people that are very much aware of what this day looks like, wars, rumors of wars, all the technology, the pandemic, and now we've got weather, you know, the hurricane, all all of this stuff is everywhere, and it's only going to escalate, and I, I just want to tell you that what has happened today is not a new thing, so don't be alarmed. Uh, in fact, this has been going on since creation. The Bible tells us if you go all the way back to creation in the third chapter of Genesis, the Bible tells us that when the Lord was creating uh, man, that he was putting everything that we really can't imagine in the Garden of Eden. It was, it was something beyond any of our imagination, as I've said. But he put a tree. They could, they could do, they could have everything there. But there was a tree. It was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And now listen to this. The Bible says that God put that tree in the midst of the garden. He put that tree right in the center of the Garden of Eden. It's like it was the focal point, but it better not be the focal point. Now, I I know that that God does some things I I, I don't understand. In fact, I'll tell you right now that I don't understand. Who can know the mind of Christ? Who, who, Who can put their finger on God? Nobody. But I thought more and more, and I said, God, I need some help with this because... I really don't know how to tie this together the way 
I'm not even really getting it, Lord, but I knew where I was supposed to be. And it's like the Lord had set me down in class all over again, and he said, I want you to think about this, son. He said, there's a lot of things in your life that I put there. There's a lot of things that I create. There's a lot of things that are just in this world, but it's not for you. In fact, you are to stay away from it. Just because it's in your life doesn't mean it's supposed to be in your hand. Just because it's in your reach and you have access to it doesn't mean that that's for you. And I go back to the garden. They could do anything. And Satan always does this, folks. He appeals to the flesh of humanity. He doesn't offer us something that, you know, and I, I'll say this, uh, there's only about one or two people that make fruitcake at Christmas that I'll eat. Uh, I just think there's a lot better things you can do with all those ingredients than mess it up like that. But some people are gifted and have fruitcake that I will eat that's good with a cup of coffee. So I'll say that. And, and, and I'll tell you, I don't understand a lot of things, but like fruitcake, God knows what to put together. He knows what will work, and He knows what will be good. And then He also knows that there's some things, son, that sure, that it's, it's around you, it's around everybody else, but it's not part of your life, and I've said that two times already, on purpose, both times, because you might not have heard me the first time. You see, folks, we, we, we give over a period of time, we are prone to give ourselves uh, permission to certain things. It's almost like, we don't say this, but we build up some kind of uh, spiritual exemption and it no longer applies to us anymore. It's still wrong for other people to do it, but, but it's not wrong for us. And you know, this is something that I took away from a very short conversation I referred to Thursday. A lot of people are, uh, and, and now this is something you, you need to think about way after the church's service is over today because you're guilty of this. I am guilty of this. You know, we don't have a hard time if we know somebody that is addicted to alcohol or any kind of drugs, prescription, non-prescription, illegal, it doesn't matter what it is, we don't have a bit of problem pointing stuff like that out. But I want to tell you something, my brother, my sister, and the Lord, there's a lot of people listening to me right this minute that you are drunk and you are intoxicated and you are addicted to something else. You are addicted to this culture we live in. You are addicted to your pride. You are addicted to your money. You are addicted to the way you think things ought to be done. You're addicted to yourself. You're addicted to all kinds of things. You might not have wanted to hear this today. I could have done something a little better, I realize. But I, again, I'm just here to finish my race, and I'm going home. And, 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 and we, we've given ourselves permission. It's okay for us to be strung out on something else 
But nobody is supposed to call us out on it because it's really not wrong in our mind. But in the Word of God, man, you are filleted like a fish. And it is wrong. There is, there's not a chronologi chronological sin scale. It's just called sin. Jesus died for sin. Every sin. All of them are wrong. It's not to, it's not to condone anybody's uh, failure or anybody's setback. But I will tell you this. We are living in a dangerous age because many people are so stupor drunk, highly intoxicated, and nobody can even detect that but God and His Word. I'm preaching halfway decent right now whether you believe it or not. I am. Because I'm telling you what Jesus sees, not what me and you are fooled by. So what am I talking about? I'm, I'm talking about Again, this prop right here. See, while you are sleeping and you are drunk on something that doesn't feel wrong, it doesn't look wrong, and nobody else really even knows about it because you're accustomed to it now. While you are asleep and while you are under the influence of somebody else and don't realize it, there are people that will be left here during tribulation and it's going to be my fault and your fault because when you are drunk, you are not wearing the breastplate of faith and the breastplate of love and the helmet, the hope of salvation. You don't have it on, you see. You, you don't take the time. You have to be intentional about this. If you're going to get it on, it don't jump on you because you paid your tithes or you watch streaming online or you are a Christian, you're a veteran Christian. It doesn't happen that way. That's why we are told to put on the whole armor of God. If it was an automatic thing, again, God's so good and Paul was not an ignorant man, he could have left off those two words. You've got to put it on. That means it involves you and it involves me. We have to do what the Lord said to do and you know if you go back to this garden i keep going back satan's never changed his way of manipulating people and maneuvering sin he hadn't changed a thing he used an apple he in fact he used a tree a long time ago to take man down but i'm glad my god used a tree to pick man back up at calvary aren't you glad of that because we don't have to stay down. We don't have to stay under the influence of the apple anymore. You don't have to keep taking part in lustful thoughts or bitterness. And I'm bringing up Wednesday night again, and that's perfectly okay with me. I, I, you don't have to take part in things that the devil puts in the middle of the garden. You just walk around it. You ignore it. And I believe what I was going back to at the beginning of this message, I believe... God knew what he was doing when he put that forbidden tree there because to me it reminds me of just how good God's been to me and I don't need that extramarital affair relationship. I don't need that tree of embezzlement. I don't need that tree of lying. I don't need that tree of taking care of myself and just pleasing me all the time. I believe God says, well, you see that? You can do that, but it's going to kill you like it did Adam and Eve. Satan's going to do the same. It won't kill you. Sin's good for a little while. Then you can do what you need to do. And so you see how he works. And Satan has never stopped, not one day, from appealing to man to just try to get him drunk. 
And I will tell you this, I'm not defending the rascal, but I'll tell you, he can't make you do anything. And I, you've heard it all your life. The devil made me do it. The devil, he did. He did not. He can't make you do it. All he can do is suggest and put trees in front of you or use trees that are in front of you and say, you need to eat that. You need to do that. That's all he can do. He can't twist your arm. He can't hold a gun to your head. He can't make you do anything. We are more than overcomers. We are more than conquerors through the blood of Jesus Christ. Greater is he that sent us than he that sent the world. How many do you need? God can do it. God will do it. He can sustain me. He can raise me up. He can help me to shun the very appearance of evil. God can do it. We don't have to do what Satan suggests. But we look like Eve looked and it looks good. He tried the same thing on Jesus. He said, you're hungry, man, and you have the power. All you've got to do is just tell that rock to turn into a, a loaf of old-fashioned Merida. And it'll be better. Just do it. It'll take care of everything. Nobody knows it but me and you. You'll still be the son of God. You'll still have whooped this 40-day uh, survival. And that's what it wasn't about. It wasn't surviving 40 days. It was about being prepared. And that's what God's doing with the church. He's not here to send me to fuss at me and you every Sunday or remind us something that we say we already know. God is preparing the army, but even more than the army, He's preparing the bride. The bride's the only one going, folks. It's not the planner, it's not all the other, it's the bride. The bride is going. It's not all the people that look right, do right, sound right. Only the bride is going. The bride has to be prepared. That's all the Lord's doing. And nothing else matters if you're not prepared. In fact, the first day of tribulation, many people will figure that out. Man, it wasn't worth that. That tree wasn't worth that. I should have did it. I should have I done the 21 days of prayer. I should have got, got up every day praying. I should have got up every day before God. I should have fasted. I should have given God his tent. I, I should have seen what God could do with my hands. I people are going to figure that out within the first 24 hours. It's going to be sad, folks. And that's why today God is helping me. And I'm trying to help us all if I could. You know, I want to tell you, that these things that God told us about in His Word are very simple. In fact, it's straight out of the, the Word of God. The first thing in the breastplate uh, or the first part of that equipment that involves it is faith. And I want to tell you about this before I read this scripture to you. You know, about a month ago, I spent two or three or four services on talking about faith. I believe faith will be a big part of this surge, this revival, this outpouring that God's doing and going to do somewhere. I believe it's going to be people that have unquestionable faith like Abraham and Moses and, and Daniel and, and the list goes on. I believe it's going to take not faith that I know about, but faith that I show about. I walk on it. It's the scariest thing I've ever done, but I think it's going to take faith. I think it's going to take faith for you to be able to mentally, emotionally, spiritually survive all this is going around. You can't get around from uh, negative news, can you? 
You can't get around of being reminded of how bad things are. Uh, you can't get around the fact that we still can't have church right now. You can't get around the fact that, well, there's still limitations everywhere you try to show. You can't get around. You're reminded all the time. I think it's going to take real faith to say, I walk by faith that God gives me, and I don't walk by my sight. I don't do that. And the Bible tells us that in Romans, the 10th chapter, it just simply says, so then faith, you know it by heart, cometh by hearing. You've got to think about it. Well, Opie, uh, you know that, that story about Abraham and Isaac on that mountain, that's something else. But how did that happen is what I want to ask you. That happened because Abraham followed the voice of God, which is the word of God. He did what God said. And even though he didn't have a Bible to hold in his hand like me and you have, you know what he had? He had the voice of God in his ear. And I'm going to tell you this. You may disagree. That's okay, too. But this right here is 100% equivalent to the same thing that Abraham had. There's not any fluctuation. He didn't have an edge on you. He don't have an edge on me. We've got the entire word of God. So he was able to have the level of faith he had to be able to walk around with that breastplate on every day because he constantly listened to God. Folks, are you listening to God right now? Do you listen to God when you read a devotion? Do you listen to God when you pray? Or do you just tell Him everything that's wrong and what you need? Faith, real faith I'm talking about, cometh by hearing. And heareth, hearing comes by the Word of God. So there's not a workaround. There's not a substitute. There's not anything you can do as a Christian uh, in place of faith. You can't do it. You cannot do it. The only thing you can do is to stay in God's Word, to listen to God. How can I hear God? My sheep know my voice. I'm still trying to teach like I did Wednesday night, I hope. If you can tell, but if I preach, I preach. And I'm preaching right this minute because I want you to know that there's no thing you can do that will... Take this place in your life. You need to be a student of the Word of God now and the voice of God more than you've ever been because you need the faith of God right now more than you've ever needed before because things are different. We cannot predict tomorrow. We wake up to a new Monday. You know it's not going to be last Monday. Tomorrow might be hurricane for somebody. It's brand new every day, folks. We need to walk in the Word every day. When you do that, then all of a sudden, you're wearing this breastplate that is able to help you out when you walk out in this filthy world. The next thing we're told in the second chapter of John, or first John, that is, it's verse 15. It says this. It just says, so then, no, verse 15 of 1 John says, Love not the world. 1 John 2, 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. 
See, that's that tree. We're going back to the tree. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You see, that's why we can't love all this stuff that the world is after. And you know, I'm going to say something that's not going to go over well at all to some people. But if I didn't know that people profess to be a Christian, by your social media, I would not have a clue. Just by your social media. Are you judging me? Oh, no. I don't even have to spend effort judging that I don't need to do. I don't have to. You know, the Bible calls it like you, you, you like to call it, we like to call it. Uh, are you judging me? But the Bible calls it something else other than judge. The Bible calls it fruit. You don't hear a whole lot about that. And um, there's a lot of fruit in demand right now. And you can't find it. It's that poor old fig tree again. And, and I just want to take a moment here, and I'm, I'm about through. But I, I got to tell you this. When you love the world, you look like the world, you post and share like the world, you laugh at the same thing the world laughs at. He said, the love of the Father is not in you. And see again, the preacher wants you to know, I love you enough to say, hey, we need to have this breastplate on because we're trying to get ready for the wedding day. You see, we've got to make sure we can check off the list. And let me tell you about loving like Jesus loves. I, I, the biggest indicator is you're going to spend the least amount of time on yourself and the greater amount of your time on other people in need. I didn't even know I was going to say that. It's certainly not on my notes. That's how you can tell where you are in this love factor, this breastplate. You compare how much time you spend on pleasing yours, and, and see, it's going to take the Holy Ghost because you, you won't be honest with yourself. You'll justify every single thing. It's that apple all over again. Nothing wrong with it. I'm doing everything else. I'm just taking a bite of this apple. And if you're spending more time on you and your family and pleasing and da-da-da-da-da and little to no time on the needs of the world that God puts in our path, like Peter and John had just preached about, the man in the temple, the centurion servant, you remember that then the love of the Father is not there, folks. I can't help you with that. I can give you these scriptures and tell you that there's, again, no workaround on that. But the Bible says, if you put on the breastplate of faith and love, then you don't have to worry about falling asleep. That's how you stay sober, by the way. You just deal with yourself every day. You deal with what God is saying every day. Morning by morning, you know I love that to death. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. So every day you say, God, this is your Monday, the 3rd of August. It's not my Monday, it's your Monday. You wake up 
And the only thing that changes on Tuesday, if you're still on this earth, you change the date. God, this is your Tuesday, August the 4th. What do you want to do today? I'm telling you, you will not be a drunk man. You won't be a sleepy woman. You won't be intoxicated. In fact, you'll spend very little thought on pleasing yourself. The love of the Father will eat you up and you can't help but please Him and take care of the world and the world for the church, for God. But there's a third component to this and this is really why I'm doubly glad that Mackie shared that song with all of us this morning because the Bible tells us to also put on the helmet of the hope of salvation, the number one scripture that is known by even non-believing people and quoted more than any other scripture in the Bible, you know it before I say it, is John 3.16. And what this helmet is speaking of is listed in this very famous verse. You know, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. And here's the helmet. But should have everlasting life. So every day when I wake up, I don't care what ABC says. I don't care what MSNBC, Fox, the Internet. I don't, I don't care what anybody says. The day I'm waking up and I'm putting on that hope, John 3.16, Everlasting life. I'm putting on that helmet knowing the day could be the beginning of everlasting life for me. That's what I'm doing. I'm putting this helmet on. I'm putting it on and I'm going to let my hands be Jesus' hands. I'm going to walk by faith by what the Word of God, the voice of God is telling me. Folks, I'm telling you, you set yourself up when you do that. So let's, let, let's, let's finish right quick, okay? I, I just want to finish. And I want to give you a demonstration that just about everybody listening to me will know about. Back in March, in fact, it may have been the last service or the next to the last public service we had was the celebration of Pat Walters. Now, for those of you that don't know, what I'm about to say has already been said behind this pulpit not only by Pat, but by me as well as his son, Glenn. So don't think I'm being insensitive or, or anything else. But Pat Walters represent, and God j just showed me this yesterday. And I said, you know, again, I'm giving, I'm giving God glory through this. Pat Walters was a great example of what I'm talking about today. See, Pat was born in the church. Pat was raised in the church. Pat served in the church. Pat was saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit, anointed by God and used many, many years. And again, for the sake of you, those of you that didn't know this. 
But Pat took part in a tree that he should not have taken part in. I'm phrasing it a little bit different so it'll kind of be sort of fresh for those of you that know it. And, and this is what happened, folks. He just took part in that tree, that apple, and he lost his way. He became drunk. He became intoxicated. And the thing about when you become intoxicated, uh, both through alcohol or some other type of means, is that you don't know what you're doing. You'll do more and more things that are wrong. But equally, on a spiritual level, you do the same thing. And this is what happened. Pat, just, he just kept going further south. And this is also part of a great testimony he gives. And one day, one day, he heard the, the voice of God. See, it never changes. It doesn't matter who it is. It, it, it's, it, one size fits all. It never changes. One day, Pat began drinking the coffee of God. He did. Hallelujah to his name, oh God. I give you praise, God. I give you glory, Lord. He began to drink the coffee of the word of God, the voice of God. He began to pray. He began to repent. And hallelujah, when he did that, you know what God did? God not only completely raised him back up. See, the first tree put man down. The second tree pulled man back up. God not only completely raised him back up, but I believe, I believe God gave him an unusual anointed double portion more than he ever had in his life before. And I think about a lot of times we will always host on Wednesday night especially these videos of the praise team and, and, and Pat singing in a lot of them. That is so intentional and on purpose I can't tell you how important that is. But we do that. We do it on purpose. And a lot of people... You know, in the church, every time Pat sings, uh, God moves and, and, and we would respond. Still, even to this day, on a video, you can still feel the power of God. And you know, a lot of people uh, in the world might look at that and Pat tell you he's not a great singer. He's not, he's not formally trained or anything like that. He, but his relationship was on demonstration. He opened himself up. That's why I can do it today because he's already done everything I've told you. He laid himself open before the whole world. Over 10,000 people at one, just on one means we know of. He did this. He did it more than one time in this church. And see, when you can humble, hallelujah, when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, oh, Blessed be the name of Almighty God. He will lift you up. And that's exactly what happened, folks. And I want to pray here in one minute, but I want to leave you with this thought. Every time you drink coffee, you see coffee, I want you to think and ask yourself right there and right then, 
Am I drunk? Am I sober? And you can very easily answer your own question by saying, how much time did I spend in prayer this morning? Did I say I'll do it later? How much time did you spend in the Word meditating on what God was saying? See, I think a perfect prayer life and perfect uh, reading, just say you spend 20 minutes in prayer, I'm going to go lower than that. Say you spend five minutes in prayer talking to the Lord, I think you need to spend at least five minutes not saying a word, listening to the Lord. Same thing with the Word. If you're going to read the Bible for 20 minutes, you need to not do anything but let the Bible read you for 20 minutes. Then you will find that you walk out of your house every day with this breastplate on. You'll walk out, and even other believers won't know how you are functioning and how it's going on. But it's that breastplate. I took a lot of time this morning. I wanted to be through about 15 minutes ago. But if I've helped one extra person, I don't care about the 15 minutes. And I want you to know, you can make it this day. You can make it because God is willing. He's ready. He's ready to pour out himself in a great and mighty way for you to do great and mighty things, this church to do great and mighty things, the bride to do great and mighty things. But it won't happen while we're asleep. Father, we come to you this morning. And God, I know that Satan will always offer us things every day. I know, Lord, what he does. He does the same thing to me, to us, everybody that he did to Adam and Eve, that he did to you. He tries to offer us fame and fortune and food and fun, all these things just to worship him. And so many people, so many believers, Lord, even take him up on it because we had rather have the approval of man than the approval of God. But, Lord, it's time for the sleeping giant called the church to wake up. Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And, God, just like we've already seen today, we didn't see him when he went up, but, God, we can see him when he steps out on that cloud and calls us home. And I pray today, Lord, for every believer. First of all, the believer, Lord, would realize I've come way too far to turn back. I've, I've avoided that tree all my life. I haven't given in. I've kept myself straight and strong before God. I'm not going to cave now because of a little trial, a little suffering, a little tribulation. I'm not going to do it, Lord, but I'm going to bear down. I'm going to pray 21 days with the church. I'm even fast, Lord, sometime in there. I'm going to be a student of the Word. I'm going to be, Lord, one that listens for you every day. And I pray for every believer that don't know you, Lord. They would see right now, today is the day of salvation, that all they have to do is say, Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner. I want to be saved. And God, you'll do it. God, help us to drink this spiritual coffee called your word and wake up. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.